Blog Talk Radio. Sports with the Statman is on the air. Welcome to Sports with the Statman on blogtalkradio.com. I'm your host, George Sothopoulos, the Statman, on a Saturday morning, the 28th of January, 2017. It is 10 a.m. in the East, and we are live on Blog Talk Radio, coming to you from our authentic imitation home studios in northern New Jersey. We're going to be with you for the next 45 minutes, so sit back and enjoy as I take you through the world of sports. A good Saturday morning out there, everybody. This is the calm before the storm, the week before the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51, a week from tomorrow. And now is the time to kind of recap uh, the conference championship games. Uh, but it is not time to really preview the Super Bowl yet. There is time for that. It is next weekend. We will pick the game and uh, talk about all of the uh, uh, the great pomp and circumstance around the Super Bowl. We will do that next week. However, this week we do have some business to take care of in fantasy football. We have a wrap-up of week number 20, which is also known as the Conference Championship Weekend. Two games. A local team made it through, and they are in the Super Bowl. The New England Patriots in their record ninth Super Bowl, seventh in the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady era. And they got through the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers with little difficulty. The surprise of the weekend was the Atlanta Falcons getting through the Green Bay Packers, also with little difficulty. That was the surprise, 44-21 to in that one. The, the uh, Patriots defeating the Steelers 36-17 to in, uh, in that one. So you have uh, uh, two teams that dominated, and now they clash in, an, uh, in, a, uh, in a big one. Uh, coming up in just over a week. Uh, so let's take a look at the best of Week 20 of Conference Championship Weekend. We will also take a look at how our picks are doing. And then we're going to move on to Fantasy Hockey, where it is the All-Star break, where uh, the All-Star game will be tomorrow in Los Angeles at Staples Center. And they're giving it a whole Hollywood treatment. They announced the NHL 100, the best top 100 players in League history, and of course, whenever there's a list, there's always time for debate. Uh, but the uh, uh, that was uh, provided last night as a kickoff to All-Star Weekend. Tonight is the skills competition, which you can find on NBC Sports Network in the U.S. And then tomorrow, of course, the game. And uh, we will take a look at uh, at hockey at the break here with with a look back at the past uh, at the past week. Of course, no games last night. The last games of uh, week number 15 were on Thursday, and we will pick it up again on Tuesday. So the uh, really what, what amounts to a four-day break uh, for the All-Star game. And we'll, of course, have injuries and hot pickups because uh, it is most likely coming down to the home stretch for your fantasy league. This, this is kind of the, uh, the time in between the All-Star game and the trading deadline is pretty much the home stretch in most fantasy hockey regular seasons. And then the fantasy hockey playoffs begin in the last six weeks of the season, and that's pretty much how it goes. The month of February is that time for the, uh, for the home stretch. So uh, we are going to devote uh, a lot of time to fantasy hockey now over the remainder of the season. We also have fantasy baseball to kick off. We will not do it this week. We will do it next week, and we will start – uh, by uh, our uh, rankings, or we will start giving you some rankings next week as we will carry through February and March, getting you ready for the 2017 fantasy baseball season. 
And uh, also, you know, something that we neglected to do at the end of the year, and we haven't had time to do in January for various reasons, but we will uh, announce our Statman Award nominees and, uh, and winners uh, from the calendar year of 2016. So we will do that over the next couple of weeks as well. So a lot uh, a lot going on, and of course, you can listen just about every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. right here on Blog Talk Radio. You can listen live by going to the show page, blogtalkradio.com slash the-statman. That's T-H-E-statman. That gives you the first 30 minutes in live form. But we do have the 15-minute podcast-only version, which you can listen to on the full podcast which is a combined 45 minutes, and you can get that either on Blog Talk Radio. We have our latest episodes up there. We also link to that audio on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash sportswiththestatman. And uh, also, you can say hi on Facebook, like us on Facebook, and start or join the conversation there. If you have a pro opinion or a fantasy question, you can always contact me there. Or you can uh, tweet me at gstatman, that's at G-S-T-A-T-M-A-N, and the website is statmansportsonline.com. You can also get the uh, podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher, the smart radio app. And if you have CarPlay in your car, you can, uh, you can listen in through the Stitcher app there as well. Okay, let's get going with fantasy football and conference championship weekend. And it was a quarterback and a wide receiver at the top for the two teams that got through. Matt Ryan was the top quarterback, top scorer in all of fantasy football with a tremendous outing, 47 fantasy points. Just a great week by Matt Ryan. 27 of 38, 392 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, also rushed for 23 yards and a touchdown, five touchdowns total, and he had 47 points in what became a coronation on the way to the NFC title, beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Tom Brady was second at 35 fantasy points, 32 of 42, 384 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions, rebounded very nicely from what could be called a subpar divisional weekend as he was, uh, uh, he, he did not have a good game um, against, uh, or in, in, in that, um, um, in, in that divisional round um, uh, against Houston they did cover the number, but it was a close game um, for uh, for the early part of it anyway, and that surprised a lot of people. Uh, in this one, though, no problems with Pittsburgh as he threw for three touchdowns and no interceptions, and he had 35 fantasy points. So as I mentioned, quarterback and wide receiver. Matt Ryan's, quarter, Matt Ryan's wide receiver, a name you expect, Julio Jones. Nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, 32 fantasy points identical in catches, in yardage, in touchdowns, in fantasy points, and also in targets with 12 targets, was Chris Hogan, who was the main receiver uh, for the New England Patriots. As Tom Brady, uh, his main man, was, uh, was Chris Hogan of Ramapo High School in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, a local kid. And uh, those, that was the tandem, Ryan to Jones, Brady to Hogan. After that, Aaron Rodgers uh, came in fifth overall, Ben Roethlisberger sixth, Rodgers with 25 points, he was 27 to 45, 287 yards, the only quarterback last week that did not throw for 300 yards. He had three touchdowns, one interception, also ran for 46 yards, and it's interesting that Rodgers was not a 300-yard man because his first two playoff games this year, he did have 300 yards, and Ben Roethlisberger didn't even come close to 300 yards in the first two games in the wild card and the divisional, 
and he threw for 300, both in losses, however. With Rodgers, uh, he had 287, three touchdowns, one interception, 25 fantasy points. Uh, with Roethlisberger, 31 of 47, 314 yards. But the problem for Roethlisberger, only one touchdown. He had one interception. He had 20 fantasy points. Uh, so those were the uh, the big uh, players. In terms of the rankings, uh, it goes that way. Ryan, Brady, Rodgers, and Roethlisberger in order. With running backs, uh, it was not a running back week last week. And part of it was that Le'Veon Bell was hurt and didn't return, only rushed six times for 20 yards before he was hurt. D'Angelo Williams picked up the slack, and he was the top rusher among all uh, among all uh, fantasy running backs. He had 34 rushing yards and a touchdown, also had seven catches on seven targets for 51 yards, and he had 15 fantasy points. Devontae Freeman was second. He had 42 yards rushing, 42 yards receiving, and a receiving touchdown, a short one, and he had 14 fantasy points. Tevin Coleman was third, uh, Freeman's teammate in Atlanta, 29 yards rushing and a score, 35 yards receiving. LeGarrette Blunt was fourth with eight points, and then you get into the uh, the weeds with Aaron Ripkowski, Patrick DeMarco of Atlanta, uh, the aforementioned Le'Veon Bell, and a couple of others with a single point. But it was not a running back's day last week. Uh, with Jones and Hogan at the top of the scoring table for wide receivers, Julian Edelman also had 17 points in double figures there. Eight catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. Kobe Hamilton for Pittsburgh uh, had more points than uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was very disappointing. He only had seven points. Kobe Hamilton was the top wide receiver for Pittsburgh. Two catches for 37 yards and a touchdown. That was the difference. The only touchdown Roethlisberger threw was to Kobe Hamilton. Two catches on five targets. Uh, Jordy Nelson was fifth with 10 fantasy points uh, against Atlanta. He uh, was able to go with his rib injury. Six catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Also touchdowns for Mohamed Sanu, who had nine points total, and Devontae Adams, who had five points total. And that that five points was tied for ninth with uh, Eli Rogers of Pittsburgh. So a disappointing receiving day for Pittsburgh. Uh, disappointing uh, after Nelson Randall Cobb had eight points. So not as disappointing for Green Bay's receivers, uh, but Pittsburgh's receivers definitely uh, uh, a bit uh, a bit surprising. Uh, with, with Brown, he had seven catches on nine targets, so you don't really blame Brown. It's just the fact that they were able to neutralize him and, most importantly, keep him out of the end zone. For tight ends, Jared Cook was number one, the only tight end in double figure, seven catches on 12 targets, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Jesse James was second at six points. Martellus Bennett with five points for New England. Caught all five of his targets for 32 yards. James had five catches for 48 yards. And the only other tight end to have any stats, Austin Hooper, two catches, 23 yards. And uh, uh, that's it. So three fantasy points for Hooper. Uh, A couple of other uh, tight ends had a catch. Uh, but they did not register points, so that uh, it was a it wasn't a great week for tight ends either. So I would say quarterbacks and wide receivers, and that's it. And not even for defenses because there were uh, um, two teams that scored over 30 points, three teams that scored over 20 points. Steven Goskowski, three for three in field goals, three for four in extra points. He had 15 points, the only kicker in double figures. Matt Bryant with eight points. He only had a 28-yard field goal, but he connected on five of six extra points. Chris Boswell had a 23-yard field goal and missed his only extra point attempt. And Mason Crosby uh, missed his only field goal attempt and kicked through an extra point. He had one point. It was uh, not a great week. Two, or actually three, missed extra points in a season that has been uh, uh, widely regarded as one of the uh, one of the worst for 
point after touchdowns. Of course, the second year uh, since they changed the rule to move the uh, move the point after touchdown back to the uh, uh, to the 25 yard line or 15 yard line, I should say. Uh, in terms of defense, the Patriots were the best of a pretty weak bunch. Seven fantasy points. They had an interception, a fumble recovery. And they allowed 17 points to the Steelers. The Falcons were second at six points. They had two sacks of Aaron Rodgers, an interception, a fumble recovery, and they allowed 21 points to the Packers. The Steelers had two points, two sacks, that's it, and uh, zero points for the Green Bay Packers as they didn't get any turnovers. They didn't have a single sack. They allowed 44 points to the Falcons. The defense for the Packers, probably the goat of the week, uh, and that, um, that is a look back at week number 20. In terms of the fantasy playoff challenge, what was the perfect lineup for Conference Sunday? Aaron, uh, it's actually Matt Ryan with 39 points. Tom Brady was second at 25. Aaron Rodgers third at 20. Uh, I'm sorry, Brady had 27. Rodgers had 25 in third place. The top two running backs, D'Angelo Williams and Devontae Freeman, 16 and 14 points apiece, according to the uh, NFL.com scoring. Both wide receivers, Chris Hogan and Julio Jones, had 30 fantasy points. Jared Cook, 13 points as a tight end. Steven Koskowski, 12 points as a, as a kicker. And the Falcons, D, 11 points. That was the perfect lineup. No one came close. And what was my lineup? Uh, it wasn't nearly as good. 183 points total, uh, thanks to double points for Tom Brady, uh, who scored 27 times two, so that's 54 points. He had 54 out of my 183. Le'Veon Bell was hurt. That hurt me. But Julio Jones, one of the best, uh, tied actually with uh, Chris Hogan for the best wide receiver numbers. Uh, he had uh, 30, actually 30 points times two, so he had 60 points for me. Uh, Antonio Brown, I got uh, triple points for him, but he only had seven points, so that didn't help. Uh, 21 for him total. Jared Cook. I did have him. I did have the Patriots defense. So that did help uh, quite a bit, having Julio Jones, uh, Jared Cook, and the Patriots uh, were second to the Falcons by a point. So I had two first-place guys in the lineup. Four of my players, four of my nine, or I'm sorry, four of my eight players in the lineup will carry down because they won their games. Tom Brady and LeGarrette Blunt. I will get triple points from Brady, double for Blunt. I will get triple for Julio Jones and triple for the Patriots defense, but I still need to find a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and a kicker, either Patriots or Falcons, and we'll see how it goes. We will make those picks next week. But overall, 390 points in three rounds, which uh, has me ranked 270,795th. I don't know how you are doing, but uh, I, I've posted my lineups to Facebook, so if you have a better lineup, uh, let me know, or worse lineup, let me know how you're doing by leaving a comment there. Uh, in terms of our game picks, we're 7-3 and three straight up, 7-3 and three against the spread. Uh, we were 1-1. One and one. We picked the Packers and the Patriots. The Packers lost. The Patriots obviously won. And uh, I did the same exact thing in the uh, football pool, 7-3. and three. Not terrible, uh, not great uh, straight up, but not terrible uh, by the uh, by pool standards uh, and that is uh, that is how things look around the uh, uh, around football uh, so let's uh, move on here at 15 minutes past the hour and uh, we will say next week we will have our Super Bowl picks we'll have our NFL.com fantasy playoff challenge uh, where we will look at the uh, uh, the numbers and give you some rankings as to who we think is going to uh, come out uh, on top. We'll also try and give you some prop bets as well. And next week, 
will be uh, the all Statman team of the month of January, not only for football, but also for hockey. And we'll have all that for you next week in our Super Bowl uh, weekend show, uh, right before Super Bowl 51. It will be on Saturday morning, uh, the 4th of February at 10 a.m., so join us then. All right, on to uh, fantasy hockey. Let's take a look at the last seven days, January 21st through the 27th. Of course, no games yesterday, so it's really a shorter week. And next week will be shorter as well because of the four-day All-Star break. But we can tell you that Brian Little of the Winnipeg Jets was the were, uh, he was the best uh, forward among among all forwards in the last seven days. He had five goals, two assists in four games. He was a plus one, had two power play goals, and he only had eight shots on goal for his five goals. Twenty-nine and a half fantasy points for Brian Little. Who is uh, who's a guy who gets lost in the shuffle because he plays in Winnipeg? But 13 goals and 13 assists. He has uh, uh, only played 29 games and he has 26 points. He was injured for quite a bit this year. He's on pace still for a 20-goal season, which would be his uh, first in two seasons, and it would be his fifth in his career. Uh, he's 29 years old. He played in Atlanta, which was hockey purgatory, and then got moved to Winnipeg, which, if you're outside of Canada. That is, once again, hockey purgatory in terms of the attention that they get, not in terms of the fans. The fans in Winnipeg obviously love their Jets. Um, Sad to see them go. Happy to have them back. But Brian Little gets lost in the shuffle quite a bit. Patrick Marlowe, five goals and an assist in four games, a plus two, two penalty minutes. Uh, He had 16 shots on goal for his five goals. That's uh, still a good shooting percentage, but uh, uh, a little more realistic. 28 fantasy points for Marlowe. Tobias Reeder of the Coyotes, you don't see his name on this list. Three goals to assist in three games, a plus five, and he had 23 fantasy points. The story on Reeder, 24 years old, he's a rookie, and he has 11 goals and 10 assists and three straight games with a goal. Um, so that uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the situation. This is his third season and his third year in double figures uh, in goals. So, uh, you do see him uh, as a uh, as as a, as a player who scores, but you don't hear about him very often. I said he's a rookie; he's in his third year. Tobias Reeder of the Coyotes, Nazem Kadri of the Toronto Maple Leafs, in fourth place at twenty-one and a half fantasy points, two, four, and six, a plus four in four games, and Leon Draisaitl tied with Logan Couture for fifth place, both of them twenty and a half fantasy points, both of them two goals, three assists, and five points. Dreisaitl did it in three games, Couture in four, so we give Dreisaitl the edge there for fifth place. The top local, that would be Brad Marchand of the Boston Bruins, a, uh, a week in which he had four goals in three games, came up big against the Penguins, and uh, he had a plus one as well, so 20 fantasy points for Marchand. Defenseman, top defenseman in the league for the last week, Nick Letty of the New York Islanders, a goal and five assists, plus two in, in four games. And he had 29 fantasy points. Dustin Bufflin in second place with 24 and a half points. He had four assists and a plus four in four games. No goals, but the Winnipeg Blue Liner had a solid week. No penalty minutes either for those of you who may use him as an enforcer. Or if you are in a league where you get positive points for penalty minutes, you can usually count on that for Bufflin, but he didn't have any to show for it this week. Dmitry Orlov in third place with 23 and a half points. He had two goals and two assists and a plus four in four games. Adam Larson. Uh, and Drew Doughty uh, bringing up the end of the top five. Both of them had 23 fantasy points. Larson, three assists and a plus seven in three games with six penalty minutes, the former devil. And Drew Doughty 
A goal and four assists in four games, a plus two and four penalty minutes. Larson did it in one fewer game, so we give him the edge for fourth. Doughty gets fifth place, and Letty was the top local. Among goaltenders, Frederick Anderson, two wins, two shutouts. He came in relief in a game, and uh, uh, he did not get credit for a uh, shutout. He allowed two goals in that relief effort. Uh, so a .65 goals against a 973 save percentage, save 73 of 75. And the Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs are hot and Anderson is hot as well, 33 fantasy points for him. Mike Smith of the Coyotes, a clean 3-0 and record with a shutout, 1.66 goals against, 946 save percentage. He's at 27.4 fantasy points. And Steve Mason, the top local, 2-0 and with a shutout for him, 1.26 goals against, 961 save percentage. Mason is streaky, and he's in a good streak, and that's helping the Flyers right now, 23.6 fantasy points. Cam Talbot and Henrik Lundqvist, bringing up the end of the top five. Talbot with a slight edge on his former teammate, 22.6 points for Talbot in Edmonton, 2-0 with a shutout in two games, .50 goals against, say 58-59 for a 9.83 save percentage. That's sparkling. And Lundqvist, 2-1 with a shutout, 1-3-3 goals against, allowed four goals on 85 shots, and that's a 9.53 save percentage, 22.2 fantasy points. So Mason, the top local there. And in terms of our top enforcer of the week, a player who put some uh, points on the board as well as penalty minutes on the score sheet. Uh, we will give it to Wayne Simmons, nine penalty minutes, three goals and an assist. So 25 and a half enforcer points. Uh, second place would be Kyle Palmieri of the Devils, who had a goal but also had 19 penalty minutes. He had 19 and a half enforcer points, but Simmons gets the edge over Palmieri in the past week, in week number 15. While we're at it, let's take a look at uh, uh, a couple of uh, stats from NHL.com. Now, most of you, most of you don't have, uh, just historically, don't have the special teams uh, unit as, as, a, as a member of your fantasy team. We've been doing it in our house league since we uh, had our inaugural season in 1998, uh, where uh, we, we have one unit that has both power play and penalty kill units. And the way the scoring usually works for that is you get minus one for a power play chance, but plus two for a power play goal. So that way, if you score on the power play, you get a plus one. And if you don't score in the power play, you get a minus one. And it's in reverse for a penalty kill. You get a plus one for a penalty killing opportunity and a minus two for a power play goal allowed. Uh, shorthanded goals scored are plus four. Shorthanded goals allowed are minus four, and that's how it works. It's a zero-sum game for special teams. And the top special teams in terms of percentage are the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Montreal Canadiens, Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Pittsburgh Penguins. Those are the top five power play units. You usually like to have a team that's in the top ten in both. Uh, the Blue Jackets are clicking at a 246 save percentage. Montreal's at 23.5. Toronto right behind them at 23.3. The Lightning and Pittsburgh are tied, uh, at least down to one decimal point, at 22.8%. Teams that allow a lot of shorthanded goals, you want to avoid, but the ones who don't allow a lot of shorthanded goals, you like. And the Blue Jackets have not allowed a single shorthanded goal. And out of that top five, they're the only one that's even close. Montreal's allowed three uh, Toronto's allowed four, Tampa Bay is allowed four, and uh, Pittsburgh, where are they on the list, they uh, have allowed six shorthanded goals. So it's one thing to click on the power play, but it, you look at the net between the power play goals scored and the shorthanded goals allowed. For Columbus, they've scored 35 power play goals, and they haven't allowed a single one. And you look at Pittsburgh, they've scored 38 
but they've allowed six, so their net is really 32, and that's uh, that's not as good. The back end of the top five, the, or the top ten, excuse me, the Buffalo Sabres are at 22.5%, St. Louis Blues at 22.2, Anaheim 21.7, the Flyers at 21.5, and the Wild at 21.5 as well. There are 14 teams that are over 20% on the power play, which is a pretty big number. Uh, it's more than usual. In terms of the penalty kill, let's take a look at the top 10 there. The Carolina Hurricanes are number one at 88.1%. They've scored six shorthanded goals. They've only allowed 14 power play goals for the year. So that is a net of eight, where when they've been shorthanded, they are a minus eight, which is unbelievable. They've allowed 14 goals and 118 times shorthanded, but they've scored six shorthanded goals. Among teams uh, uh, in, in the league, the most shorthanded goals scored are eight by the Calgary Flames. The Rangers have seven, and then there are a few teams at six, Carolina, Nashville, the Bruins, and the Anaheim Ducks. But getting back to penalty killing percentage, the Hurricanes are first at 88.1. The Bruins are second at 86.5. They also have an excellent shorthanded uh, uh, goals for. They're at minus 17 for the year. They've allowed 23 power play goals. They've been shorthanded 52 more times in Carolina and have allowed nine more goals, but they've also scored six shorthanded. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they're third on the power play. They're third on the penalty kill. They're a hot special team, 85.4% there. Washington Capitals are at 85.1. Minnesota Wild, also on both lists, 84.2. The back end of the penalty kill top 10, Florida Panthers at 84.1. The Anaheim Ducks are on both lists, 83.4. The St. Louis Blues at 83.2. Columbus Blue Jackets, first on the power play, tied for eighth at 83.2. And the Nashville Predators at 83.1. That is your list of the top 10 power plays and penalty kills. I know if there are maybe maybe 5% of leagues that have a, a special teams unit or count power play or penalty kill, I would say less than 1% uh, looks at Corsi as a, as, as a statistic in fantasy sports. We don't use it yet in our league, but we're always trying to evolve and look at trends, and it could be interesting to look at shot attempts. It is becoming a, a hot statistic. Corsi, Fenwick and all the fancy stats, so to speak. The NHL has something similar. They don't call it Corsi. It was named after a goaltending coach in Buffalo. Uh, They call it Shots Attempted, uh, SAT, and uh, the percentage, as well as the percentage when they're ahead, when they're behind, when the game is tied, when the game is close. And they also, instead of Fenwick, which are basically shot attempts minus block shots, they have USATs, which are unblocked shot attempts, and that's the same thing. So, uh, they call it different names, but they're the same, the same statistic, uh, pretty much. Um, so in terms of shots attempted, the SAT percentage on NHL.com, the top five, four of them, actually the top six, five of them are Bruins. If you look at players who have played 20 or more games, Patrice Bergeron is at number one at 62.57%. That basically means that for every eight shot attempts when Bergeron's on the ice, five of them go to the Bruins, Three of them go to the opposition. That's a really, really good percentage. If you're up over 60%, that's, that's great. Brad Marchand is at 61.54. Braden McNabb of the Kings is at 60.14. David Posternock at 59.86. And Tori Krug at 59.76. Now, when you're looking at shots for and shot suppression and things like that for a defenseman, you're, uh, you're trying to block those shots. 
but um, still five of the top, five of the top six with Colin Miller in sixth place at 59.18. Great numbers there. In terms of unblocked shot attempts percentage, USAT percentage, Bergeron still first. Marchand second, but Colin Miller rises from sixth to third. Pasternak and Krug round out the top five, so they're all Bruins all the time. And um, uh, also the what they call the PDO, uh, or as they call it on the NHL.com website, uh, SPSV percentage, which is shots, uh, they're shooting plus save percentage. That's a combination of, that's basically puck luck. So that is, if you're over 1,000, you're lucky. You have a higher shooting percentage and a higher save percentage than usual. Uh, and looking at players who've played 20 or more games, Jason Zucker, Jay Beagle, Michael Granlin, Daniel Winnick, and TJ Oshie are in the top five. They either play for Minnesota or Washington, and those have been the luckiest teams in the league. That gives you an idea there. Not saying we use it in fantasy leagues, not saying we will use it, probably won't use PDO or SPSV percentage at all, but Corsi and Fenwick could be interesting to use because you're looking at shot attempts, and that's a that's a measurable measurable statistic. And usually that that equals puck possession. And if you have puck possession, usually you win. Usually you make the playoffs. It's not hard and fast. I don't even know if it's predictive, but it's fun to uh, uh, to calculate. Uh, the, the the whole thing about fantasy sports, if and, and if I could take a second just to talk about it. If you're looking at scoring categories, and I've been commissioner of leagues for 20 years, you usually want to keep track of statistics that somebody can look up in a box score. Usually it was, you know, 20 years ago, it was, I want to be able to open up a paper, newspaper, and look at a box score and know what my player did. And I can calculate the points in my head. Yardage, home runs, runs scored, whatever it is, I want to be able to do that. It's very difficult to do that, obviously, with, Corsi and with Fenwick, which is one of the main reasons why they're not scoring statistics in fantasy yet. But box scores will change, and I'm sure at some point they will add that information to uh, to the stats, something that can easily be looked up instead of uh, in newspapers. Maybe it'll be part of the box score on NHL.com, and that might change things. Who knows? All right, that'll uh, do it for the live feed onto the podcast-only version. We have 15 minutes remaining in the show. We mentioned that next week at 10 a.m. we will have our Super Bowl blowout show. We will make our game picks. We will talk about the upcoming Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51 between the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. We will also give you our all-stat man team for the month of January in fantasy football, mainly the playoff games, and, of course, fantasy hockey. Uh, We have the all-star break going on in hockey right now, but next weekend they'll be right back to live action. So we'll take a look at week Uh, the week that was, which would be week number 16, which we are heading into. And we're going to spend the next few minutes taking a look at that next week in fantasy hockey. We're going to take a look at uh, at the injuries and, of course, the hot pickups. Uh, So let's let's do that. Once again, before we do that, let's uh, just tell you, you can uh, listen to our episodes live on blogtalkradio.com slash the dash statman that's the place for the latest schedules in case my schedule changes you can find it there on blogtalkradio.com slash the dash statman we were doing two episodes we used to do three episodes a week but we're returning back to one episode a week saturday mornings 10 a.m for this week in fantasy sports we do have some other things planned for you in the upcoming weeks and that is the countdown blog which um, we have not really been able to kick off 
because of work and, and travel and things like that. So we will uh, get the countdown blog up and running. It's meant to replace our pro talk segment, doing that with words instead with uh, with typed words instead of spoken words. So the countdown, obviously, we started doing that in September on the air on Wednesday nights, and we're going to make that a blog. And that is basically a top ten rundown of the stories that uh, should matter. Uh, I think matters in the New York, Boston, and Philadelphia areas when it comes to sports. It's baseball, football, hockey. That's that's the uh, that's the thrust of it. Uh, so uh, look out for that. And if uh, it could be just a countdown, could be something where we have a, a blurb with our take on it. That's the idea. And I want to hear your take on it uh, as well. So we'll post that blog on StatmanSportsOnline.com pretty soon, and we'll try to do it on a weekly basis. Also, from a gaming perspective, Out of the Park 17 uh, is uh, is out. It's been out, and it's a fantastic game. They just announced plans for Out of the Park 18, and that is coming out on March the 24th, but you can pre-order now on OOTPdevelopments.com. You can take a look at the new game. Some interesting additions to, uh, the, uh, to the game, uh, to Out of the Park Baseball, uh, that will be coming out in the spring. And uh, let's, uh, let, let's spend a minute and, uh, and talk about that because that will be uh, very interesting going forward uh, for, uh, for out-of-the-park uh, baseball fans as that is, um, uh, that is going to be a, uh, uh, a, a, another, tremendous, um, another tremendous release from out-of-the-park uh, out developments. Uh, March 24th is the release date. Uh, and if you didn't know, it is the... 2016 PC Game of the Year, uh, there are new features, namely a challenge mode where you can challenge people online to a game. Uh, there are also online profiles and leaderboards, so it is making it uh, the, the online element of the game will, will continue to improve, and it is already amazing. Of course, with the new version, you get the latest major and minor league rosters uh, for opening day, uh, March 24th, of course. Uh, it's not opening day yet, so they're making a guess as to the opening day rosters and minor leagues all the way down to the rookie leagues. Um, but, of course, they will have updates as uh, as time goes on before opening day, and you'll be able to get the, uh, the opening day roster sets. Also very interesting here, historic Negro League teams and, uh, you know, the ability to have Josh Gibson and Buck O'Neill in his prime and Satchel Paige in his prime uh, to be able to play against major leaguers at the time in a fully integrated scenario. That really interests me. Uh, improved 3D mode, uh, new tournaments as well. The ability to have promotion and relegation, which is another thing that I've really wanted in this game for a long, long time. That will be extremely interesting to be able to have a league where if a team doesn't, uh, doesn't do a good job, they don't spend enough money, they're not up to snuff, they get dropped to AAA. And a AAA team that's the class of the league gets bumped up. It's tough to do that in an affiliated minor league. Uh, but you can create your own universe. You can do exactly what you want. And uh, that's what makes out-of-the-park baseball so uh, enticing and, and, and so addictive, really, is you can really make it anything you want to do. So once again, OOTPdevelopments.com uh, to learn more about the new game. See a couple of screenshots from the new game. they got Wrigley Field in the background in the opening splash screen. And you can, uh, you can take a look at it and pre-order, and you will get the game four days early. That's the idea. Uh, and you can, um, 
You can do it uh, uh, from January 28th, that's today, until March 23rd. You can get, you can get it for a 10% discount of its full retail price, and you get the Gold Master version on March the 20th, four days before the game uh, is officially released. So you can do that. Another out-of-the-park developments uh, item of business here, Franchise Manager uh, I'm sorry, Franchise Hockey Manager 3. There is, a, there is a sale for the NHL All-Star Game. You can save 50% by ordering th- now through February the 2nd. You can save $20. So it's a $19.99, 50% off the original uh, sticker price of $40. Bucks. And uh, uh, you can get that at, also at ootpdevelopments.com. It's officially licensed by the NHL. You have the latest team rosters, and there is uh, another uh, couple of interesting things, uh, what we call sandbox mode, what they call sandbox mode, where you can create uh, a historical league uh, going back as far as the 1931-32 season. You can also uh, create a custom league as well. Fake players, real players, you choose. There's a path to glory, which is a new career mode where you can uh, start start your career as a player graduate to become a coach uh, in, in, in time, uh, a lot of international leagues involved. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of new uh, items in FHM3 compared to FHM2, so go to OOTP Developments and take a look at all that. So, um, we, But speaking of the gaming segment, what I wanted to say was we're going to start a, uh, um, a, a new medium for us anyway, uh, at least we're going, to, we're going to try to. Jury's still out on whether we can still do it. Uh, but what I want to do is a recap show of simulations that I'm doing on Out of the Park Baseball and on Franchise Hockey Manager, as well as other games. And uh, that will be defined as we go along. We're going to start with some baseball uh, ones, and we're, uh, we're going to expand to hockey and maybe even to uh, football and basketball if we can. But that's the idea. And uh, we have some ideas for leagues and you can go to, you can keep up with it on uh, statmansportsonline.com. We're also in a couple of online leagues run by the esteemed commissioner, Joe Cronin, uh, a couple of great leagues, Dugout Wizards, which were in the 1966 season in spring training, uh, and yours truly is the Mets. I was able to draft Tom Seaver and also get Jerry Kuzman in an off-season uh, draft. Uh, and in hockey, we're, uh, we're getting started. We're actually a few weeks into our inaugural season of the 1954-55 season, and uh, we have 10 teams playing because you can have as many teams as, as you want. So instead of the original six, we have 10 teams, and I'm kicking off the Brooklyn Americans uh, in the, uh, what we call the early expansion league. So you can go to simsportleagues.com to find out more about that, and if you're interested in participating, you can always leave a message and, uh, and uh, get on the waiting list. For all of that, so our gaming segments will be coming. Uh, we're not going to spend much time uh, about uh, on it in in, in our fantasy episodes, uh, but we have countdown for the pro fantasy uh, for the podcast for the uh, this week in fantasy sports, and then hopefully Twitch, uh, as well as a, a web companion for the uh, uh, for the gaming segment. Also looking to have a web companion for this very show, we, as we call it the fantasy primer. So look out for that. On, uh, for, on our website, Statman Sports Online, as well. Okay, we've got a few minutes, so let's take a look at injuries and hot pickups for the upcoming week, week 16 in fantasy hockey. Players on IR uh, who have been placed on IR recently, Dylan Larkin, an upper body injury. Uh, he is basically game to game at this point. 
because of the uh, uh, because of the All Star break, you know, he played on the 22nd because of the All Star break, and he got to be out for seven days in order to be put on the IR. Uh, they had a little extra time to do that, but he should be back pretty soon after uh, the uh, the All Star break. At this point, he's eligible to uh, to rejoin uh, Tuesday against the Devils for the for the next game for the Red Wings. Um, and all they're saying is upper body at this point. Uh, Alexander Barkov, we mentioned um, uh, last week, he may miss the rest of the season. Really no update on that, but um, that in itself is uh, difficult to take for the Florida Panthers, especially the fact that they've missed um, they, they've missed Jonathan Huberdeau all season long. Tyler Toffoli is skating uh, in his first on-ice action since his lower body injury. He is uh, s- slow to come back, but he is uh, on his way back. And an update on Max Domi, still a couple of weeks away from coming back. Uh, he could return to practice after the All-Star break for Arizona. Of course, one of the young guns for the uh, uh, Arizona Coyotes, uh, and uh, they want to get him back as soon as possible. So that is a look at the forwards. On defense, Chris Letang on IR with a knee injury, uh, and he will... Um, uh, he will not be uh, uh, in the lineup uh, when when they return from the All-Star break against Nashville, uh, so they're going to give him some extra time. Uh, four goals, 19 assists, but he's a minus five this year. He's not had a very good season. Andre Markov, a lower body injury, not sure of his return date week to week. He hasn't played in over a month. December 17th was his last game for the Canadians. Uh, Eric Johnson, his leg injury. Uh, he has uh, uh, still been out. It is uh, close to two months at this point. His last game played was December the 3rd. Colorado's season is in the tank, and Johnson is, uh, has been out for most of it. Tyson Barry with a lower body injury. Uh, his, last, his most recent game was January the 17th, so he has been out at least, it would be two weeks by the time of his next uh, game. He is hoping to return for that game. Uh, on the 31st at Anaheim to make his return, but we will see. Uh, and, and also uh, one more, let's give you Tyler Myers, a lower body injury. Uh, he is also uh, attending a personal family matter, so that um, he's already on IR, uh, but he has not played since November 11th. He has two goals and three assists uh, for Winnipeg in only 11 games this year. And uh, that uh, that's a look at defensemen for goaltenders. Uh, let's take a look at injuries. Not a lot, but they are um, they are important. Jonathan Quick, groin injury, has only played one game this year, looking to return in March. Antti Ranta, the backup uh, goalie for the Rangers, lower body injury, looking to come back right after the All-Star break. Luckily for the Rangers, Ranta was, was better than Lundqvist over the first couple of months of the season, but luckily for the Rangers, when Ranta went down with an injury, Lundqvist picked his game up, and the Rangers have not missed a beat. But Ranta hasn't played since the 14th of January against Montreal. Jimmy Howard out with a knee injury, looking to come back next month. And uh, that is a look at the uh, the goaltenders. And those are the players who are on IR, who are out for any length uh, of time. Uh, if Jenny Malkin was, uh, uh, was scratched from the All-Star game, Cam Atkinson will go in his place. Uh, but Malkin is uh, day-to-day as well. Let's take a look at the hot pickups. Connor Sherry continues to be a hot pickup in shallow leagues. Andrew, Bur- Andrew uh, Andre Burakovsky in medium-sized leagues. And in deep leagues, Brian Rust, also the Penguins, because they're all scoring goals at this point. Uh, but, uh, and Jake Gunsel as well for the, for the Penguins, in, not owned in a lot of leagues, under 20%, but they are on the list of the most picked up. Zach Smith as well for Ottawa. And Jason Pominville in Minnesota. 
for Zach Smith, he scored 12 goals and 12 assists, probably the, the uh, you know the, one of the higher scoring players that that no one's talking about. He has scored in his last three games, or scored points anyway, five points in three games, two goals against Columbus, a goal against Washington, and an assist. Last uh, last game against Calgary, also had an assist against Columbus for a three-point game, but he's doing well. Though That is the look at forwards. Among defensemen, let's give you a couple of uh, options there. Dmitry Orlov in uh, in shallow leagues, uh, as well as Nick Letty, who's picking it up. Oscar Kleffbaum in medium-sized leagues, at least for the moment. Eight goals for him, but only ten assists. Um, and he had a goal and an assist against Calgary. Uh, on the 21st, last Saturday night. And in terms of uh, deep leagues, Adam Clendenning of the Rangers, Mike Riley of Minnesota, and Nikita Nesterov of Montreal with uh, three goals, including a goal in his most recent game against the Blackhawks. Uh, those are your uh, hot pickups for defensemen. Goaltenders, really quick, um, Thomas Grice in shallow leagues. In, uh, in medium-sized leagues, Mike Condon in deep leagues. How about Jared Corot? Of Detroit, as long as uh, uh, as long as uh, Jimmy Howard is out, that definitely helps his case. Uh, okay, and that uh, will just about do it here in Northern New Jersey. I'm George Stoplis, Statman. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next Saturday 